today our sermon series is all about the miracle that Jesus did at a wedding. Now, for some of you here, I actually married some people here that are sitting right here. It's incredible they're here for the, for the first time this morning. Uh, but ultimately, in our preparation, this is such an incredible moment where God, um, he, he takes the sanctity of marriage and the covenant of, of and blessing of the promises that we made to each other that day, and He still holds us to it unto this day. Why? Because our God is not only a God of miracles, but He's a God of promises, and our God does not lie. So when He promises things, they do happen. And He expects of us in the covenant of our marriage that the promises that we made the, that, that, uh, a long time ago, that we still keep those promises. Amen? We are supposed to hold on to those moments. And I know it's go, it goes up and it goes down. Sometimes it goes a lot down before it goes up again. And there God challenges our character, but also the faith that we place in Him for our marriages. How will we, how will we, we be able to trust God for miracles, but we don't trust God for our spouse? Amen? And so it's very quiet here. Okay. So let's read. Uh, the first verse of this morning uh, is in John 2, and you're welcome uh, to go there with me. John um, chapter 2, verse 1 to 11. It's a quite a lengthy moment. We, we, I'm going to break it down just in, we're going to exegesis it. We're going to uh, speak about it. I'm going to ask you for your help there as well. Uh, it is very, very hot here. Um, are you getting cold? Because can we get the aircon on? I think it's just for me. Hey. Okay, so thank you so much. Do my track. Whoo, it's very warm. It's very warm. Wow, I almost fell over. I thought I should speak quicker. Okay. All right, so let's read this. This is an incredible piece. You know it well. I know it well. It starts like this. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee. And so he says, and the mother of Jesus was there. This is important. Uh, this is the first time where Mary was introduced, not as Mary, uh, but as the mother of Jesus. Interestingly enough, we'll get to that. Verse 2, Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. It looks like it was a, a wedding where they knew the people. They were actually friends. And so they were, Jesus was invited to, to this wedding. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. So, just have a, a pause moment. In those days, when they got married, the whole, uh, the whole procession was, was very short. It was a half a day. And then the eating and the drinking went on for six days later. Say six. With the wedding day, it's seven. A wedding in those days. Now, if your family was big... You can just go to your job and you get to, your, to your, the guy that you work for and go, I have seven weddings. I'll see you next year. And so, but this, these people knew Jesus. Jesus knew who they were. But the people did not know Jesus fully. But who knew who Jesus was fully before his ministry started? Anyone? It was his mother. Oh, my mother knows me well. 
She calls me and I answer the phone. She's like, I did not raise you like that. You don't speak to me in that manner like I'm someone that you don't know or someone in your congregation. I'm your mother. Speak nicely to me. I'm like, yeah, ma. And so my mother knows me really well. She knows exactly when I'm down. She can hear it in my, in my, in my voice. But ultimately, Jesus' mother knew who he was. And so what was this miracle that happened? Can anyone tell me? Water into wine. How lovely. What a gift that, my, that is. I can think of, of a few job opportunities that you can go into. Um, but here's the funny thing about the miracles of Jesus. I wanted to show you that each and every miracle that we're going to allude to and show and unpack in the, these five weeks, you will see those miracles, some of them, never happened again. And some of them still happen today, just in other ways. Have you ever seen me spit into clay and place it over a blind man's or a blind woman's eyes? Have you seen me do that? Have you seen anyone do that except for Jesus in the Bible? There's certain things that you and I take the message from. We know God can work through us, but we don't have to do it exactly the way that he does. Amen? We need to be obedient to the word of God to the exact point. But we have to understand that some of these miracles, we can't just do that. I've heard of a miracle um, in Africa where guys... I've listened to this testimony while they were there. Uh, they were ministering in Kenya, and um, there were dis deformed babies um, bringing to the front in God's healing. And one of the babies were really young, but almost also deformed. And um, she didn't have one arm, and the leg was shorter. And um, there was a really small baby, and the, the, the evangelist heard from the Lord, and he said, um, Jesus said, Oh, the Holy Spirit told him to put down the baby and kick it into the crowd like a soccer ball. I just want to tell you, that should be really, really great faith. Because if that goes wrong, that guy is, is in trouble in that village. God said it three times. He kicked that baby off the, off the stage. They, someone caught it. The baby. And it was completely healed. We, you do not see me bringing babies on here and kicking them. Please don't do that. Let's read the scripture and take the practicality uh, of what Jesus is saying. And we apply our obedience. But we don't go and spit in the ground and then uh, put it on people's arms and legs. That's just weird, isn't it? If God says do it, then go and do it. But that's on you. Amen. And, and so when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And so it's almost like going to anyone at a wedding and saying uh, something is wrong, something happened, and the invitee goes, but it's not my job. It's, the, it's not my fault. This is not on me. Not my circus. Not my, not my monkeys. Not my circus. Okay. And so Jesus goes, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? And so he, reply, he goes on and says, my hour has not yet come. What does this mean? Is his mother has an expectancy of the miracle that was born in her 30 years ago. She has been waiting for 30 years 
for that miracle to multiply. There was a mother that couldn't wait any longer. She waited 30 years because she knew the expansion of Jesus' ministry was one of miracles. Why? Because his birth was one. His conception is, was one. It was testimony of that. And so he says, it's not my time, but Jesus knows his mother. She is not going to stop, people. She is going to go on and knowing who he is, push towards that miracle that she knows needs to happen. And she could feel it in the spirit, I can tell you. She knew him. She knew who he was. She knew what he was called for. She's seen and testified 30 years of his life that something is different. Are we testifying that there's something different when we worship Jesus? Is there a testimony in you and my, in my, in my, in your heart, in my heart, in your mind, in mine? When we worship Jesus knowing that faith is around the corner because we're worshiping him. There should be an expectation in your heart. My hour has not come yet. While Jesus is saying almost no, she replies and goes, his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. In that moment, as mother of Jesus, she could have easily gone, I'm telling you, go and do this because I'm the mother of. No, no, she doesn't do this. The second rule here is we always show to Jesus. Even Jesus' mother went, oh, it's not me, it's him. Obey him. Be obedient to him. Listen to him. Follow him. Let him tell you what to do. So many times in our lives, we do quite the opposite. We listen to voices. We listen to the news. We listen to family members. Who here was in Amway? I'm so sorry. You listened to someone there. I'm just saying, okay. That did not work out, okay. Now, there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Now, listen to this. This water of purification was so pure that they wasn't supposed to be used for anything else except the marriage purification moment. Jesus goes, bring those to me. Do you see how Jesus comes in um, it's almost like he wants to shake our religion, the things that we have made our God. He's shaking those things and he changes the order of how we think. This is very significant. He used the water that wasn't supposed to be used for anything else. That was pure. Listen to this. He says, now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites and purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Now do the math. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars of water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. So here we see Jesus giving orders and the servants being obedient. Sometimes... It's not the people that we think that's going to lead us spiritually. Sometimes you think, oh, it's not on me. I'm just a servant of the Lord. God is going to choose you first. Before he gets to the, the more important people, he's going to work through you and me. His disciples were nobodies. They were fishermen. 
Their fingers reeked of fish because they worked with it all day. Now, if someone with a bad breath or smelly hands come to me and want to pray for me, I'll just go, no, not you. Sometimes we do that in church. I'll have that person pray for me, but not that one. Definitely not. But Jesus decides the ones who are going to listen to me, the servants who will be obedient, I'm going to work through them. And so he says to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. Now this process happened in an instant. Do you know what the process is of of winemaking? It starts with the seed. There's fruit. There's a harvest moment. There's a pressing moment in those days. It was a family event. They, they, uh, they, uh, into, they invited everyone there, and then they had a stomping moment. Then that juice was, was filtered. It was fermented. It takes years. Good red wine takes approximately 20 years before you open that good bottle of wine. Amen? Who here is a connoisseur? Don't, know, don't, don't do, raise your hands. Okay. So ultimately, Jesus does something that takes years in one moment. We say that's a miracle. I read through this and went, Lord, why would this be such? Isn't there any other miracle that was more important for you to do than making, making water into wine? Have you ever thought of this? Have you ever thought further than going, but Lord, why don't you start with someone in a wheelchair? Why don't you start with someone that was dead? To show it, then you'll show them. But there were a lot of things playing into this wedding day that Jesus is directly referring to himself. Can you think of a few? In those days, the wine that was made had a lot of water in it. It wasn't as strong as we know it today. They, can have a, they could have a lot of it. So Jesus is referring to a lot of different things. The fact that Jesus is still coming back for a pure bride. He's showing to the cross of Jesus, when the spear went through his side, what came out? Blood and water. There's a lot of showing to the cross of Jesus, not only the coming of it, not only the death of Jesus, but the resurrection of life. And you know what I learned from a friend of mine? I visited a wedding that he did, and he spoke about this moment where Jesus did not want the couple, in those days, if the wine was finished, it wasn't a shame moment to the family. It was a directful, shameful moment to the bride and bridegroom of that wedding. It was a bad start to a wedding, a life of marriage. And so Jesus in that moment came, not on my watch. Jesus said, if you allow me, I will cover you. Who who year is married? One year. Hands up. One year. One and less. Moi. Three and less. Five and less. Moi. Eight and less. Wow. Ten and less. Thirteen and less. 15 and less, 17 and less, 19 and less. <laughs> Who's been married over 20 years? Oh, let them stand up. Stand up quickly. 
Stand up, don't be shy. Listen. No, no, just keep standing. Being married to someone for 20 years is a miracle. In our day, in the day that we are living in right now, 20 years is not only applaudable, it's celebratable. I say, bring the wine. Or just bring me water first. Let's see if we can do a tricks. I don't know. She's not in tricks. Let's give them a round of applause. And so, when we see miracles happen, we don't only see it at our wedding day. We see it in the good moments. We see it in the bad. We see it in the sinful moments. We see it in the repentant moments. We see it in the moments. I, I listened to a podcast in the week about marriage. because uh, I do a lot of weddings, so I have to uh, get fresh information as well. I still learn from that. But ultimately, when you are married to a lawyer, there's different rules for that marriage. I just want to say, who here is married to a lawyer? Is it just me? <laughs> Catherine, you want to say something to defend yourself? Because I'm going into something now. Okay. I've not prepared you. I'm not going to embarrass you. But like Catherine always says, you are not a party like you think. Me. I don't know where I was now. Oh, marriages. So ultimately, when God comes, Jesus comes, and he does this miracle, he is not only showing um, people do you know that was the first moment that his disciples, there were three or four of them following at that stage? Three others were still wondering if it is the rabbi that they should follow. Did you know the disciples chose to follow Jesus because of that first miracle he did? Sometimes God shows us miracles in our lives. Sometimes he let, lets us go through really tough times. Amen than to do that miracle so that he can show you that he is God. But if you go and read Hosea, do you know Hosea? He's one of the minor prophets. And God communicating how important marriage is and how important God views Israel, his people, and every time Messiah's wife sells himself, herself, into slavery or prostitution, he goes and buys her back. He gives everything. He, he brings her back. So this is not just, oh, Jesus did a miracle at a wedding. No, no, no. This is the start of God showing his greatness, his ability, his power. Who needs, don't answer right now. We're going to get to that at the end. Who here needs a miracle from God today? Because this is a wedding this morning. I'm not one to cry a lot. You can get someone else to marry you in March. So when the master of the feast, verse 9, tasted the water and now become wine, 
and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Testimony, testifying, people knowing the truth, not the, not the rich, not the well-informed, um, not the ones that was known, the ones that, that was hidden away, the servants knew what happened. The master of the feast called the bridegroom. Why? Because there was the authority. There was the shame being placed. He knew. He called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first. You know why? And when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine, but you have kept the good wine until now. God in the Old Testament showed to Jesus over and over in every testament, in every book of the Old Testament, Jesus is found. Do you know that? There is a golden line and threshold right through from the start to the, to the beginning of, 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 uh, of the New Testament and right through to Revelation. Jesus is magnified and shown in every one of them. God kept the good wine in Jesus and his blood for later. It's for now. And he wants you to drink of his blood and he wants you to eat from his body. He wants you to understand that he is coming back a second time for this bride right here and he will be the bridegroom. I say a lot to my couples that we prep into. So I'm sorry if you heard this for the 50th, 50th time. Um, but you will not be married in heaven to your spouse right now. Look at each other. Go, I, I'm only going to have you until Jesus comes again. Some are very, very sad. Some are very happy. I don't know. Um, you draw yourself into that category. I don't know what's happening there. This for the first of his signs. Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. This was the moment when God moved. I don't know if you've ever seen someone that's never seen a sign from God before, but then, then they testify about Jesus. That's one part. But then God some, does something in their lives, such a big sign or miracle, that when they speak to you again, it's totally a different person. Who has had that happen to them before? There's something that happens when God shows himself and we respond in the correct manner. Now, you would think that if God did something great for someone, they're immediately his followers. We would think that. We would think if God saves us out of something, we would go, Lord, you are our Lord. I'm going to follow you. And the world doesn't work that way. So there's this moment where I ask a question, then why miracles? You need to ask yourself two questions out of this question. Is does God still do miracles and signs today? Yes or no? That's the first question. The second question that you have to answer to yourself is, am I worshiping the right God? Because here's a Here's a bit of a problem. God says you can't stand with your one foot in the world and the other one in heaven. There needs to be a, quite a, a, 
uh, incredible decision from your side, it needs to be really overwhelming to the one side or the other. You can't live in both worlds. And so why miracles? So I'm looking at the Jesus healing the 10 lepers. Do you know the story? 10 lepers comes to Jesus. They've heard of his glory. They've heard of his signs and wonders. And they're coming to him, all 10 are coming to him with faith. Listen to this. They're coming to him with faith. They want to be healed. Jesus ends up healing all 10. I have been at healing sessions where people come to the front and I will pray for them or someone else will pray for them. And not everyone receives healing. I've been there. Jesus, when he heals, you're healed. When he does a miracle, you'll know about it. Your fingers and toes are falling off. After he prayed for them, they were completely healed. He says to them, go and show yourself to the Pharisees and the leaders of the church. Because otherwise they won't be led into the community again. So they go and show himself. One turns around. And I would think if I was the one that turns around and thanking Jesus in that moment for that miracle, believing in him, having the faith to come, getting healed, and then saying thank you. I would, say, I would say thank you to Jesus for healing me. He would go, my son, I love you so much. You've got such a great future ahead. You've got such a ministry in me. I love you so much. Was that weird now? Sorry, Kevin. But no, Jesus rebukes him. That says thank you. That, that has the courage and the knowledge to go, this is the one. I want to thank him for this. And he, Jesus replies and says, where are the other nine? Weren't there ten of you? He says, not every miracle will flow over in salvation. Do you know why? Because there are, there are con men out there even today. People who say they are followers of Christ. People who do miracles and healings, but it's not from Jesus. People will hear the truth. You will share it with them. You will hear it today, and some of you will walk out of here and go, ah, not that important. Oh, it's a bit of a show today. Didn't like it that much. But in this is here, it looks like he didn't comb it right. I don't think I can take the word. I, can, I don't think I can trust him. And so here's the thing that that one leper did. He trusted God outright. And I'm asking you this morning, are, is God your God? Is our God the God of Abraham, Isaac. Is he your God? Secondly, do you still believe? Do you have faith? And then thirdly, would you follow Jesus? Because here's the moment that I want to create. I want to tell you now that we are following people that have the ability to move into, with the gifts of the Spirit. And in healing and signs, we start following Jesus in those movements. But when we end up following those people, and then they get bodyguards, and then they, they get, they, you get a signing of them, and people go, well, won't you sign my shirt or sign something? It's not about Mary. It wasn't about the mother of Jesus. It was about Jesus. You and I's number one job on earth as believers of Christ is to show the lost to Christ. It's to show the religious to Christ. 
is to bring them back and say, here is the flag. Follow Jesus. It is not me. I'm just the messenger. And so I want to tell you that um, this morning God is calling us to not only a year of miracles. Do you know why? Because I've seen miracles in December last year. I saw it happen. I saw miracles in, in November last year. Just because every nation is calling out a year of miracles doesn't believe now everything's going to happen right here. God has been moving in signs and miracles for years. The only time he was dead quiet was those 400 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament where God didn't say a word through the prophets. He did not speak. He was quiet. He was waiting upon a generation that will have faith and understand and follow Jesus. He had to get the religious out of the way. And this morning, I want you to ask Jesus. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit this morning, what of your heart needs to be transformed where the religious part of it gets cut away? We cannot stand before Jesus with a religious bone in our body thinking we know who he is. Oh, no, he will pardon me that sin. He will not. Sin's uh, ultimate is death. If you know him or not, if you continue in sin, you will die spiritually. And then you will die physically later. And you will have no hope. I sort of loved the brimstone, fire and brimstone teachers from, from yesteryear. Do you, do you, have you heard them preach before? Oh, you walk out of there. You've given your, Christ, your heart to Christ way back, but you give it again. And now I, I want to invite you now, and I want to tell you now that there's going to be a moment where you relinquish your authority and the knowledge that you have of Christ here, and you're going to go, Lord, I receive you again. I receive you anew. I receive you like I received you the first time that I received you. Do you know that the knowledge of Christ, when we grow in the knowledge of Christ, it should exponentially let us grow in the wisdom that we are nothing and we cannot stand in front of him. We're not worth being in his presence. The more we know of him, shouldn't make us more boastful. It should make us more kneeling down at every moment we can kneel at the cross. We do. I'm not saying give your heart to Christ every time. I'm saying be repentant of your life your lifestyle, your decision-making, the way that you work with people, the way that you work with your kids, the way that you work with your spouse, the way that you work with the internet when no one is looking. These are things that we can spend. The way that you're working with your finances. Is it under God's lordship? Is it under Jesus' lordship where he can tell you exactly where to put that rand or two? No, Lord, I'm deciding this is mine that's not going there. I'm not going to give it to that church. I don't know what they're going to do with it. No, no, God's asking you to submit. When you give food to a hungry person, now why don't they have work? They should get work and then they'll have food to eat. You don't know where they come from. You don't know who they are. And you don't know if God is testing your heart. Because he says in his word that he comes like an angel will come and be disguised. And he will meet with you and you will not know. And he's warning us and telling us, be kind to one another. Be generous. I hope I'm speaking to your heart and your spirit this morning. That the miracle at the wedding is far more than you and I perceive. Far more than you and I can think right now. 
Jesus is calling us to something bigger. So from an embarrassing moment at a wedding, opportunity for God's power to be displayed. Our Jesus responds to the call that you and I make to him. Say with me, prayer still works. If you pray, God is not deaf. He tells us that. He says, firstly, his hand is not too short to save you. But then he says, but your sins have cut yourself, you, you off from me. I cannot get to you. So what's the answer to get to Jesus? It's repentance. Yeah, but I already repented 15 years ago when I gave my life to Christ. No, you have to repent now. Do you know that we do, we walk in sin that we don't know anything about? And the Holy Spirit comes and goes, I think you are arrogant in this manner. And you go, no, I'm not. That's a showing that we become our own little gods, and that's not what God wants for us. He wants us to be repentive, submissive to Him. Our problems requires obedience, not good answers. Listen to this. Our problems that you and I face do not require good answers or a phone call to a friend, like who wants to be a millionaire. No. The answer to our problems is Jesus. We do not ask for answers for problems. We go to the one that solved those problems. Why would we want the answer to do it ourselves when Jesus is the one doing them in our lives? He changes us. He changes our thinking. Our problems requires obedience. It's not just about the miracles that we're chasing. This five, these five weeks are not just to show that miracles happen, and now I want you to have miracles in your life. You've been having it. I have testimonies in this crowd of God saving people's lives, saving young boys' life. You're sitting in front of me, saving your marriage. You're sitting here, saving your life again. Amen? Think of one miracle that God has done for you in your life, one or two. Think of it quickly. Think where God did a miracle for you. He showed his goodness, his godliness, his power, his reverence, his mighty hand in your life. Think of it quickly. Get that moment. Why did we forget? Why did you forget about that? Every time we're faced with a problem, we're like children that doesn't know in which, in which way we need to run. We don't know where to go. No, no, you know. You already know. Interestingly enough, I read with the Holy Spirit uh, gifts, I read this thing where Paul speaks about speaking in tongues in front of the congregation. Do you know that part? Do you know why he warns us? He's not saying you shouldn't do it. He's referring in that state of that church of people who invited unbelievers into that community on a Sunday when they met up. Then they spoke in tongues. Then it was offensive. Church is for the saved. Do you know what is for the lost? It's your conversation with your 
the lady that works for you. It's your conversation with your, your neighbor. It's your conversation with your, with your um, father-in-law. It's your conversation with, with the one that you work for. Uh, it's, the one, it's the one that works for you. That's those conversations that God has stretched out, give you a platform, having a hope for you to share the good news so that the lost will come to Christ. And then when they, they know Jesus, they went through the baptism in, in, in all obedience. They go through the baptism pool. They get baptized by the Holy Spirit. It's all obedience. And because of that obedience, they can come into church now, into family, and we can speak, speak in tongues out loud. Amen? I am not going to uh, say sorry when we move in the Spirit. I'm not going to apologize for moving in the, in the gifts ever again. I won't do that. I'm not going to wait for a chicken to, to crow. No, it doesn't, it's not a chicken that crows, eh? I'm not going to wait for a rooster to crow. I'm going to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. Amen? And if we invite lost people into this circle, they are visiting us. I don't want to offend. I'm not going to be on purpose with it. I'm going to move in the Spirit. Amen? But that moment of salvation should have happened before you bring them to church. It's not the church moment. It is, but it isn't. Do you hear me? I'm not saying you can't bring them. I'm saying I'm not going to apologize for who I am in Jesus. Amen? We are going to see people come to Jesus in this church like never before. Say to the person next to you, do you have the faith for that? We're going to see people getting healed in this building and that one and that one and at kids' church and at youth like we've never seen people getting healed. Amen? Tell the person next to you, it's you and me. God's going to work through you and me. So here's my last point. Our wedding day, it's on its way. Jesus is coming for a pure bride. Are you ready? Are you in? Are you available to be used? Are you open? Are you submissive? Are you repentant? Because then God can work through you. There's a lot of times when I do believe people come to our church and they are very frustrated with me. Sometimes I respond, sometimes I don't. Who can testify about that? Okay, not that much. Okay. So we believe in God showing up with his miracles. Mark 16. I'm going to end off with this. And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Jesus said, you will do bigger things that I have on earth. That doesn't mean you are Jesus. That means Jesus decides to work through you. Amen. It's not about you. It's about him. It's for you. It's for the lost. It's for the sick. It's for the ones that have no hope, definitely. But Jesus wants to use through you, but it's not a name tag. It's not about me. It's not about you. But he does want to use you. He does want to work through you. Amen? But then we have to be really obedient in the small things. If you go and read uh, the epistles, then Jesus, frustrated, 
his disciples almost every time you read. They do not know where he is, what he's speaking about. I th you think I'm weird. He was weird. Okay, so I'm just saying, you are not still not following Marinus. You are following Jesus. Go and read it. So I'm tag teaming on last week's sermon where we're ending off for us being an unselfish church this morning. Can I have those leaflets, Gerard? Just the two there. Yeah, that one and the other, the card. I'm going to call you to a, a moment right now where we're going to be able to praise God for the miracles that He's done over our lives. I'm looking at some of you, and I'm, re I rem I'm reminded for someone that was sitting here, you had a breaking in your house, things were stolen, and the blessing in, the, uh, in disguise was that you weren't there. You, you returned, but your lives were still intact. Your family was still there. God is still good. God protected you. I'm, I'm looking at people here where, where God touched their hearts, and they're not the same person as, person as two years back. I'm looking at people that, that were sick. They went to the hospital, whether we prayed for them here or there, they got healed. Amen? God's miracles are all around us. The question is, are you still believing in Him? And are you following him? So I want you to see this one card uh, that we gave you, the, um, the one sermon series that we're moving into at the middle of the year that we always do. There are a list of names that you can trust Jesus for in your circle of influence. I want you to write names right here. People that you are trusting Jesus for, that, they, that he will save them, them, either through you or someone else. But the glory is Jesus. I want you to write names right now. I'm going to give you 30 seconds to do that. Think of it. I'll give you a minute. Get a pen. There was pens on the, on the, on the chairs. I want you to trust Jesus for people that you know that are not following him. They are lost. They are going to hell. Or they've fallen away. So there's a testimony that's going to play out later, but, but we've been praying for people that were lost out of this family um, for the past almost three years. We've been praying into people's lives that was lost for this family, either by being offended or moving or whatever the situation may be. And God is busy bringing them back. You are busy with a testimony that God is doing in your life of being obedient. We want to thank you for that, but it's not finished. God has placed you here to be active, and these names are important. You're already saved. These people are going to hell. I want you to be really serious about Jesus. Write their names right now. We're going to pray for them. And then secondly, there's an open piece of paper that I want you to write down the things that you, the miracles and signs and wonders that you are trusting God for in 2023. It can be bullet points. There can be a lot of them. Go now. Do it now. The things that you are trusting God for to break through that are almost humanly impossible. You're not seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Those are the things you're writing here. And then you're going to turn them over, fold it. And when we do communion today, you'll see there's two tables. Just finish up first. Sorry. I'm rushing. Write them down. We're going to, in these five weeks and in the next year, those boards will be up there. The miracle prayer boards. You can do this right through the year. 
it's going to be there always. We're going we're gonna to take them off. We're going to read them. We're going to put them back. We're going to pray over them. There's going to be prayer teams ministering into that. I want you to write it. And when you go for the communion, you put it up there. There can be more than one on one side. Just make sure that it sits correctly. But you are going to trust God. If you're trusting the Lord uh, for a pregnancy or babies, this is, the, your, this is your time. If, if you're pr- pr- trusting God for new, a new job or, or work for that matter, uh, put it on there. If you trust God to break through in healing uh, or in salvation or in thinking space or in attitude or whatever it might be, you put it on here and we're going to put it up there and there's people going to pray over that. Don't put your names on it. The card you hold in your, in your pocket, your wallet, or your Bible. We're going to pray for those people that we're trusting God for. And when someone comes to Jesus, you're going to put it on a, on a, on a piece of paper like this, and we're going to put it up. We're going to celebrate those people. And then we're going to invite them to church. I uh, just want to make a correction. I didn't say you're not allowed to bring lost people to church. I'm just saying we're doing it the wrong way around. They should hear the testimony from you. They should come to Jesus through you. They should be baptized through you. And then you can bring them. Well, we do baptisms here. We're going to do one today. Um, there's a small uh, girl called Erika. She's going to have a baptism. She decided she, to be obedient to Jesus and to follow through like Jesus did through the baptism pool. And we're going to celebrate that right now. But you're going to put it up right here. So the two cards that you have is the one people that you're trusting Jesus for to be saved. And the other one is what you are trusting Jesus for in 2023. Before we stick it up and before you go and get your communion elements, we're going to end off with that. I want to pray over these pieces of paper that you're holding in your hand right now. I want you to stand with me in faith. Jesus, we are invited to a wedding. Lord, you are calling us to a wedding day. The only problem is, Lord, we don't know when the date is. We know it's coming, Lord. You know, you're calling us. And the other thing, we're not only invited, we are the bride. And Lord, my heart's not ready. I want you to prepare me, Lord. For me and Catherine, not only celebrating our our marriage, but celebrating the fact that we gave our lives to Christ and we're following you, Lord. I pray that we will hold steadfast until you come, that we will see the race run until the end. I pray for everyone here, Lord. I pray that you will add to this family. Father God, I pray that there will be um, uh, humility moments that that you bring towards us, but there will be growth. I pray for breakthrough in the Spirit. I pray for people that has never prayed for anyone before, and they will pray over people, and they will be they will come to Christ. Christ. Lord, I'm so excited, just in my heart, knowing that this is your church. You make this church grow, not me, not us. But you are calling us today to a responsibility to believe in God and to follow Jesus, to do everything that he commands us to do, like John 14 says. Lord, I pray for every prayer Every submission, every miracle that's believed in on those pieces of paper, Father God, I pray for it right now. And you will come and you will place your hand on these, on these um, um, trust uh, moments, prayer moments on this paper, Father God. And I pray that they will not only come true, it will bring honor to you. 
The glory is yours. I pray over it in Jesus' name.